Hello and welcome back to another episode of Preview Review, the movie trailer podcast. In fact, it's not just another episode, it is the final episode of Preview Review for the year 2019. I'm Tyler Ellison, here as always with my co-host, Ryan Toon. Yes, that's me. Hi, I'm here as well. And Tyler, it's not just the final episode, it's also the previewees. The most... Oh, yes. That's the theme song. And I talk over it because that's part of the theme song. No, keep going. This is part of the theme song. And this is the award show, and everyone can hear what I'm saying. Um, I hope you're all wearing your tuxedos and your fancy ball gowns. Because, because we are. Tyler's not in shorts and a t-shirt right now. Oh, yeah. I am wearing a full tuxedo as we're recording right yes. now. Well, I mean, it's black and white, so it's kind yes. of the same thing. Yes. It's a tuxedo gym short. Yes. <laughs> um, this is the this is Hollywood's biggest night. As we've always said every time we've given out, you know, the award at the end of each episode for the best trailer of the week. These are underappreciated and rare awards. Um, you know, not every director gets to be, you know, have the distinction of having their trailer win best trailer of the week on our podcast it's true and now it's now it's categories for the end of the year i mean these are elite elite awards so elite in fact that we're not even considering every movie that came out this year yeah if you have come out and we haven't seen you too bad yeah sorry and and that includes even all the movies like we're not we're recording this and in like mid-december there are movies that look really good that are coming out later this year that aren't just gonna just aren't gonna be considered yeah sorry for these awards because your digital fur technology isn't going to get you anywhere. We with haven't this seen show. you, and you know, as as good Adam Sandler as your performance looks in Uncut Gems, you're not making the cut because you're I haven't out. actually seen the movie. And to nominate something without seeing it, it's unethical. Would just be unjust. Looking at you, Golden Globes. Have they done that? I don't know. Maybe. Half their nominees this year I haven't seen yet. Part of that's my fault, and they do get press but- screeners because they're more important. But we're journalists, and we don't get screeners, so we can only go based on our beliefs. Well, sometimes we do get to go to advanced showings. Yeah, we've done and that And some a of those times. did make the cut yes. for the nominees. So only on the rare occasions in which we were able to see movies ahead of their release date are those being considered tonight. But for the most part, we didn't get to do that very often. No, I think there's only one film that checks off that box for this category. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> But we'll get there when we get there. Basically, the long and short of this is we have prepared eight categories for our awards tonight. Some of these are traditional. Most of them are traditional categories you see at like the Golden Globes or the Oscars. Or the Critics' Choice Awards. Or what's the Golden Raspberries? Is that one of them? I mean, that's it's kind of like what we're doing. Kind of. Just as prestigious. Basically, because <laughs> all of awards season is bullshit. We're making ours bullshit, and here's how we're doing this. First of all, like we said, we're only nominating movies that we've seen this year. True. That counts out so many probably really good films, but we're not mm-hmm. qualified experts, so we don't really care. Yeah, sorry Will Smith, you're never going to win a previewee for Spies in Disguise. The other way that we're adding an extra layer of absurdity to our nomination process. Oh, and I should be clear. Tonight is only the nominations. Yes. We did say it was the most like elite, glorious night in all of Hollywood, but that's only second to the actual awards night, but that's next year. Yeah, tonight we're only doing our nominees. We're going to have to wait until early 2020 to actually vote on the winners because it's a little more complex and we want to have time to make sure that we 
approach it the best way possible. Yes, we've made this as convoluted for ourselves as possible because we want to get it right. Yes, and also this is our hobby. And so the way that this nomination process is working is Ryan and I have each individually come up with our five nominations for each category. Each of the eight categories. That's ten total nominations. There may be some overlap in there, but it doesn't matter because what we're going to do I currently have 80 slips of paper sitting on the counter next to me. It's true. I see them all. We are going, and they're grouped by category. It's true. They're in eight little piles. Each of these 10 nominees that we have created for each category are going to go into a hat that I have sitting next to me. He's currently holding it. It's black and white striped. And we're going to pull out the first five slips from this hat. They will become the nominees for that category. So you're saying the people I nominated, I could snub myself. You but could, not even pulling the right name? Yeah, and only pulling my nominees. Wow. What it's a what a absurd. nightmare. Some of the forerunners, you know, some of the the most highly considered and anticipated actors and films of award season might not just get pulled out of the hat. And you know what? That's just simulating the classic Hollywood snub. Like eighth grade, two years ago. I still haven't forgotten. They nominated that one at the Golden Globes though. Yeah, they did, and Elsie Fisher, but nothing at the Oscars. Bullshit. <laughs> okay. But before we get started, we have some other things to do. We do have some traditional preview review business to Don't attend worry, to. Don't worry, this isn't all just madness. I mean, for the most part it is, though. Well, every episode's but madness. But we're starting off, as always, with Ryan's review roundup. Ryan has uh, seen movies, I think this time just one movie. I've seen movie. That we previously, <laughs> that we have previously discussed on the podcast. And he's going to talk about what he thought about it, but also you don't know what he thought about the trailer because this trailer was on our last episode, so he's just basically, for you all listening, reviewing a trailer or reviewing a movie for absolutely no reason. Okay, Ryan, yes. go. Well, I saw this movie called Dark Waters. We preview reviewed it on the lost episode, like you said. This movie was... I really enjoyed it. Mark Ruffalo gives a strong performance. The story is captivating. And it keeps you entertained throughout the whole runtime. And by the end of it, you're just like, what? I've been like poisoning myself with these chemicals. And then they tell me that literally 99% of the population has been poisoned by these evil corporations. And I'm like, well, great spirit in the sky, take me now. But other than that, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was well done and well made. And I thought the actors did a terrific job. Uh, nice work, Dark Waters. Good for you. Yay. Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. Thank you, Dark Waters. Now we have another traditional piece of preview review business that we would be remiss if we did not include it, and that's our opening question. Oh, yes. I know the opening question. And so because this is awards season, of course, this opening question pertains to one of, you know, usually the biggest questions surrounding Mm -hmm. all the awards season buzz. Yes. And that question is... Who should host the Oscars? Now, Ricky Gervais is returning to host the Golden Globes this year. Um, as far as I know, the Oscars host, for, or I mean, in, in early 2020, as far as I know, the Oscars host for next year has not been announced yet. They didn't even announce the host for last year yet. I'm still waiting. <laughs> um, and so, of course, Ryan and I, being experts on all things Hollywood, and all things pop culture. Are ready to give our insights as to the age-old question. Ryan, who should host the Oscars? Well, we need someone that's wholesome. Someone that literally everyone in the world 
can get behind and say, yeah, I appreciate them. And we need someone that's not a hot take Sally. Someone that's not going to come out there and cause a lot of controversy, you know? Dolly Parton. Mm, You'd think, but no. (laughs) I've been listening to a podcast about Dolly Parton and how she's kept all her fans happy by not having opinions. It's really interesting. But that's a plug for a competitive podcast. Yeah, we don't do that here. So edit that part out. Sorry. (laughs) But I've come down to this. We need someone that can't really say anything that gets anyone in trouble. But we still need them to be lovable. And people will tune in and watch them. So I've decided... It's a, it's a little bit of an old take, but he was in a movie this year. This year, Groot will be hosting the Oscars. Not Vin Diesel. No, Groot. The actual digitally animated Groot. Yes, everything Groot will say is, I am With Groot. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda can present, but Baby Yoda doesn't really talk. We gotta wait for the Emmys for Baby Yoda. Yeah, he's that's a TV, TV thing. Yeah. Groot is a, is a film star. And he'd be Teenage Groot, of course, because that's where he is in the movies right now. And he'd go up there and maybe he'd have a little bit of attitude and that could add to some comedic value to the show. But other than that, he would just say, I am Groot and people would love him as the sapling that he is. Nice. I like it. Tyler, who is going to host Didn't the Didn't they Oscars? have like the characters from Shrek digitally animated present an award at the Oscars one time? Well, the, somebody accepted it was an award the, it was, animated um, or something. The first year they had the animated film yeah. category. All the characters showed up in the audience digitally animated, oh, okay. and Shrek won. So there is precedent for it. Yes. But they've never done it the whole show. They can do it. It's 2019, baby. Yes. Okay. Well, in my thinking, I've come up with two hosts that I think would would be good for different reasons. Ooh. And actually, it's two duos, so it's really four people Whoa. total. I couldn't basically land on the answer, so here you go. Okay. Let's, let's go with the it. The first potential host duo of the Oscars is... Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. They, of course, voiced... They were just in a thing together. I saw them on someone's Instagram story. They have... That was Seth Seth Rogen with uh, the dude from Blackish. Oh, Anthony Anderson. You know, I get them confused all the time. (laughs) Anthony Anderson and Billy Eichner. I know, because we follow pretty much the same people on Instagram, and I saw the same story. Anyways. Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, of course, of course, voiced Timon and Pumbaa in the oh, live action. Timon. It's actually animated. Animated Lion King remake that came out this year. Of course, we know. I mean, people liked it enough. I guess it's one. It's the highest grossing movie of the summer. Um, and it's I think they have good. fun comedic. They were good in it. Timing together. So they'd be fun. And Billy Eichner as just like you know all his work on like Billy on the Street and With- things like that. I think. It's high quality. I feel like they could each individually host the Oscars well together. Would I don't think either of them has done it solo. As Timon and Pumbaa. No, it would be Billy Eichner and Oh, Seth so Rogen. it's a, it's not it's a Groot situation. It's not a Groot situation. No. It's a Vin Diesel situation. Yes, but better because they're likable. But Vin Diesel. The all next about duo that is a little bit more, um, maybe like because Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner appeal to like my comedic preferences and I would like to see them host the Oscars yes another one that's perhaps more wholesome and appealing to a wider audience of course we know the MCU capped off with Avengers Endgame this year highest grossing movie of all time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and thus of the year huge cinematic (laughs) masterpiece and what better way to close out 2019 than to have Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans host the Oscars side by side? This would be a smart move for the Academy, I think. I don't think either of them are really in contention to be nominated for their roles, even though they could be. 
but I don't think they will be. And it'd be fun to give them that kind of upfront role because they have been in the zeitgeist for so long as like Captain America and Iron Man and putting them up in front at the Oscars and having them host. And they're both like kind of funny in their own ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. has had several comedic roles that he's been great in. He brings a lot of great humor to Iron Man in the MCU. Chris Evans was just hilarious in Knives Out. And I think Chris Evans is just going to tell the audience to eat shit the whole time. (laughs) I would love it. (laughs) Um, I, I really do think that that would be a duo. That could be a fun host um, pair to put at the Oscars. I think they'd have a lot of fun together. It would be really fun. And even if one of them or both of them were nominated, there's precedent at the Academy that if someone is nominated, they can still host. Because James Franco did it with Anne Hathaway the year he was nominated for 127 Hours. Oh, yeah. And then wasn't Sandra Oh also just hosting the Golden Globes last year while she was nominated for Killing Eve? Exactly. See, they don't care about this bias bullshit. They're going to do whatever the fuck gets them the most views because people aren't watching award shows anymore. Well, I mean, with how much money Endgame made, you know if they put Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr.'s faces as, like, the hosts, more people would tune into the Oscars for sure. Or Groot's face. I mean... He was also in that movie. (laughs) All right, Ryan. I think it's time for us to get started. Ooh, I'm excited and scared at the same time. I'm taking the hat. It's... And I'm going to start off with the nominees for Best Supporting Actor. Ooh, there are so many good supporting actors this year. Like that one in that one movie, or that other one in the other movie. Oh wait, maybe we should intro all the categories that we're doing in total first, so people can know what to expect. We're not splitting based on genre like the Golden Globes do. This is more based off of the Oscars, but unlike the Oscars, we're not splitting screenplay between original and adapted. It's just one category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in total, there are nine categories tonight that we'll be presenting the nominees for. There's eight. Oh, sorry, eight. We did not split best screenplay. Yeah, that would have made it nine. We thought about it. Too much work. The categories are best supporting actor, best supporting actress, best lead actor, best lead actress, best screenplay, best director, Best Picture, and of course, the Holy Grail of the Night, Best Trailer. Ryan and I will be selecting the nominees for the Best Trailers of the Year. Yep. This is specific to our podcast because it's what we do. Yeah, they don't do this on the Oscars. They don't what do this. What if they on... did, though? Well, then we would be out of a job, Tyler. Okay, here are the nominees for Best Supporting Actor. Tyler is putting now taking all the papers. The ten slips, my five nominees and Ryan's five nominees. And throwing them in a hat. And dropping them in the hat. He's going wishy wishy washy washy. And I'm going to mix up the hat right now. Wishy wishy washy washy. Swirl swirl swirl. This all depends on getting left in the podcast if this makes a good sound or a bad sound. So. Well, that's why I'm making the wishy wishy washy sound. Okay. Okay, so are you going to pull one and then I pull one or are you going to pull all five? I was thinking I would just pull all five. Oh, can I pull I the next five? Yeah. That'll just, be fun. Okay. I want to pull some too. You can pull whatever you want to pull. Yay. Okay, and I'm not looking in the hat. I'm just going to pull out five slips. Ooh. Five slips. Here we go. Who's our first? Do you want to hold the hat? No, because I need to write these down. You do, because we need, we need to record the nominees as we go. Also, are these the 2019 previewees or the 2020 previewees? 2019. Okay, but we'll announce the winners next year. Yes. Okay. The first nominee for Best Supporting Actor at the 2019 previewees, Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Ooh. The second nominee for Best Supporting Actor at the 2019 previewees, Lucas Hedges in Waves. Ooh. 
the third nominee for Best Supporting Actor, Shia LaBeouf in Honey Boy. The fourth nominee for Best Supporting Actor, Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse. And the fifth and final nominee for Best Supporting Actor in the 2019 previewees, it's Shia LaBeouf again. Uh-oh. We what can't does that do mean? that. That means that we're going to redraw. Well, that means we both must have nominated we Shia. We both nominated Shia. He's already been picked, so I'm going to select another from the hat. Wow. Someone else gets a second chance at a nomination. How exciting. The fifth and final nominee for Best Supporting Actor at the 2019 previewees is... Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse. What? Oh, we already Again? did him too. Wow. Ryan and I both liked Shia and Willem a lot. Well, we liked them enough to think they were the best, like one of the best of the five. One of the five best yes. actors this year. All right, here we go. Another redraw. The fifth and final nominee uh, for Best Supporting Actor at the 2019 previewees is Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Thank God. I was worried we weren't going to draw him. Okay. Yay. Now, just in case you weren't listening, Ryan's going to repeat back all the noms. Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Lucas Hedges for Waves. Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy. Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. And Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm pleased with this list because almost all of my nominations made it into the final nomination. Tom Hanks did a great job as Mr. Rogers. Lucas Hedges really gives a very weighty performance in Waves. Shia opens up a deep memory and lets us all see that through his portrayal of his father in Honey Boy. Willem Dafoe is just insane in The Lighthouse. And I didn't nominate Brad Pitt, but I also thought he was really good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm not sad that he got nominated because I think he deserved it. Yeah, four of these five nominees I I nominated. Um, the only one I did not that was selected was Tom Hanks because I haven't seen that movie yet, and he is probably really good in it because he's Tom Hanks. The nominee that I put in that didn't get chosen was Chubu Shik from Parasite. Um, he was really good in that movie, but I love all the nominees that we chose. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's fantastic in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Lucas Hedges is kind of like the epitome, I think, of Best Supporting Actor because he's not in the movie that much. His character is like, it's pivotal to the story, but it's not like, he's definitely not the main character by any means. He just adds that extra layer of depth to the story. Shia LaBeouf, of course, is nominated for his role as like basically his father Mm -hmm, and just mm -hmm. does so well, Um, especially in like the role of a supporting actor. Again, the way that his character works with Noah Jupe's character, who plays his son, is just so well done. And Lucas Hedges was in that movie too. But he didn't get the He's nomination not in it as for that much. one. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf is clearly the supporting actor in that movie, I think. Yes. Well, uh, you could argue Lucas Hedges is also a supporting actor. But Shia did better in that role. He had a media role. For sure. And Willem Dafoe in the Lighthouse. I mean, the sea curse speech. Like, this, he does this incredible monologue. Cursing Robert Pattinson with all the wrath and fury of the sea. Of Poseidon. Because Robert Pattinson says that he doesn't like his cooking. And if that doesn't sum up the lighthouse, I don't know what does. Well, why just spill your beans, Tyler? (laughs) Alright, and those are the nominees for Best Supporting Actor. Congratulations. You should all be proud. You should all really try to market yourself towards us so we know which one of you to vote for. Come to my house, Brad Pitt. Alright, Ryan, let's continue by reading the nominations for 
Best Supporting Actress. Oh, you mean selecting the nominations? I can't well, we will select them, and then we will read them. Okay, but I get to read them this time. I get to choose from the hat. I get to make the wishy-wishy. And you get to write them down. I will write them down. That's a fun job, too. Because you have to figure out how to write fast. And just write, Tom Hanks, beautiful. Alright. The first nominee for Best Supporting Actress is Karen Gillan in Avengers Endgame. Wow. A black sheep. Or was it Dark Horse? That's what it is. Exactly. Next, we have Beanie Feldstein for Booksmart. Another Dark Horse. Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell. Jennifer Lopez, Hustlers. That's four, right? That's four. You have this is one the final more. one. The fifth and final. Laura Dern, Marriage Story. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Tyler will read them back to you. No repeats this time. The nominees for Best Supporting Actress. Karen Gillan, Avengers Endgame. Beanie Feldstein, Booksmart. Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell. Jennifer Lopez, Hustlers. Laura Dern, Marriage Story. Wow, what a group of wonderful actresses that I don't think any Academy other than us would nominate those five actresses. No way. Okay, when I after I saw Endgame, I think for the second time, I did not put her in this hat, but I said it would be really cool if Karen Gillan was considered for an award for her role in Endgame because she totally kills that role. She's a scene stealer every time she's on the show. It's a dual role. She has to play herself in 2019 and herself in 2014. Like, And the character's different at that time. Both yeah, and times. the characters have to interact too. Mm-hmm. And the way that she interacts also with like the other characters, like with Rocket um, and with Gamora. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much meat to this role that, like, at first the role of Debula, like earlier in the Guardians. And, oh, like, she's the throwaway like, character. Like, why is yeah. she there? But, but now she's such a meteor role. Exactly. Um, the one person that I nominated that I'm sad that did not get chosen was Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. I think she really is the heart of that movie at some points, but. I'm still really happy with the five we've chosen. Yeah. Kathy Bates is great in Richard Jewell as Richard Jewell's mother. I Mama mean, Jewell. The, I mean, the big scene that she kills is the press conference where she is appealing for the public to understand that she her says, son is a hero. don't send my son to jail. He didn't place no bombs. Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers is wonderful. I mean, the moment that you first interact with her character on screen. She's a present. She's smoking that cigarette on the rooftop in that Mm. big fur coat. It's like just incredible. Exactly. Um, I haven't seen Marriage Story, but I've heard great things about Laura Dern's performance in that movie. Laura Dern is just doing her job in the movie as a lawyer, but the way she does her job makes me hate her. Oh, she's a negative she's character? She's a villain. Oh, interesting. I always thought she was like a sweet, supporting, like, See, friend or mother. See, that's how feel like it is. Because that's what she plays in Little Women, and that's mm-hmm. like how Lordern's characters usually are. That's so yes. interesting. She leans more into um, the kind of character she plays in Big Little Lies, but okay. she's not as maniacal there. Because she is sweet when like to her client, but she's devilish to the other. Wow, okay. She gets to play both. And of course, Beanie Feldstein and Booksmart. Uh, Beanie Feldstein is nominated for a lead actress at the Golden Globes this year. I don't know if she'll get Oscar consideration. I think she's really more of the supporting role in that film. Mm-hmm. Caitlin Devers, I think, is more of the lead. But Beanie Feldstein is just hilarious. 
Um, she is. I love her so much in that movie. I mean, the movie isn't the same without both of them together, but I think Beanie kind of steals the show. I agree. You could make an argument that she is the lead, but you could also make an argument that she's the supporting, and that's why she's nominated for supporting. Yeah. Basically, if I wanted to nominate her for lead actress, she wouldn't be nominated, so I put her in where she could be considered, and now she is being considered. She is one of the official nominees. Yeah, she's up against the greats, but she's also a great, so she can hold her own weight. Of course. Yeah. Okay, Tyler. Let's go ahead and take a step back. We've nominated two whole categories, and I'm already feeling tired. So I think we need to rejuvenate ourselves. We need to give ourselves some strength. It's 6.30 p.m. as we're recording this, just for the record. I'm so tired. (laughs) So, to give us strength, Tyler, we need to do what we always do here at Preview Review. Play a game. Exactly. Let's do it! So I've made a game for you, Tyler. It's called Where Are They Now? This game, you there will be an actor or actress who has been nominated or has received an Academy Award in the past. And they have also appeared in a film in 2019. Oh. I will read you a brief description of what their character is in 2019. Tell you what years they were nominated for or received an Oscar. And you will have to tell me their name and if you can what film they starred in this year and if you really can what they were nominated for but don't feel pressured to do that because i didn't write that part down (laughs) okay okay let's go this two-time oscar nominee 2011 and 2012 stars as a shape-shifting alien adversary in this 2019 release okay when i heard shape-shifting i was beginning to think Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique, but I don't think that's right because I don't think she was nominated that long ago. So now I'm thinking Alien Adversary. I'm thinking the villain from Men in Black International, which is Liam Neeson. Oh, wow. There were so many Alien Adversaries that shapeshifted in 2019. You were right with your first thought that it was from Dark Phoenix. The alien adversary that shapeshifts in Dark Phoenix is played by Jessica Chastain. Oh! She's a shapeshifter? Yes. I, don't, I didn't see the movie. I just know Mystique shapeshifts. Mystique does shapeshift, and there are also another race of alien shapeshifters. But she's not... Down. Oh, yeah, because Mystique's not the adversary in that movie. No. That makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jessica Chastain. Interesting. Yes. And Bummer. Apparently, Man, I felt so confident about that. In post-production, they had to change things around because they wanted them to be the same race of shape-shifting aliens that were in Captain Marvel, but Marvel wouldn't let them do it. So they had to come up with a different race of shape-shifting aliens to be the adversary in Dark Phoenix. Oh no. <laughs> Too many shape-shifting aliens in 2019. <laughs> Sorry, the MCU's got to lock on the scroll. Exactly. Alright, here's your chance for redemption with question number two, Tyler. This two-time Oscar nominee, 2005 and 2015, stars as the wife of a British colonel who is assigned to live in Hamburg post-World War II. This is that movie about the girl that falls in love with the Nazi. You're and on the right track. Is it? Oh, it's Keira Knightley. Correct. You've done it. Whew. That was a, a deep pull. Oh, but I'm trying to name the movie that it was in. Yes. Um, Oh, I don't know the name of that movie. The name of the film is The Aftermath. Oh, yes, 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 Aftermath. And it's pretty alright. I saw it. It's okay. But you have one point. Congratulations, Tyler. You're on the board. Here we go. This four-time Oscar nominee, 2001, 2004, 2013, and 2014, 
stars as a sheriff tracking one of the West's most notorious outlaws. Oh, this is from the movie The Kid. Correct. There's another point for you already, Tyler. But who plays the sheriff in that movie? I can see his face, but I don't know his name. Is it Kurt Russell? It is not Kurt Russell. No, he's in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He is. Who is it? Oh, I don't know. It is Ethan Hawke. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I was thinking of a different dude. I was thinking of the older dude in that movie. Hmm. Okay. Ethan Hawke's been nominated for an Oscar four times. Two out of the four of those are for screenplay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. But he's never won. No, it's not Academy Award winner Ethan Hawke. Nope. All right, number four. This two-time Oscar nominee, 1982 and 1983, stars as a neighbor whose help may end up causing more trouble than it's worth in this 2019 remake. A neighbor? A neighbor. Like someone who lives next door. Whose help? Maybe more trouble than it's worth. These are very cryptic. In this 2019 remake. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all the remade movies from this Mm -hmm. year, but... Yes. I decided this was a little cryptic, so I added the hint. Remake. Hmm. Nominated in... Yeah, it's 82 and 83. An older actor? Yes. (sighs) I I have no idea. The two-time Oscar nominee is... John Lithgow, and the movie is Pet Cemetery. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Don't worry, Tyler. There's still two more questions. This Best Actor nominee in 1993 stars as an executive in a sci-fi action comedy released in 2019. He works higher up. He's kind of like a boss. Like a boss? <laughs> yes, but not that movie. <laughs> is it, um, what's his name? Sutherland in uh, Ad Astra. Sci-fi action comedy. Oh, action comedy. Yes. Oh, I just was thinking of a sci-fi movie I've seen. Hmm. Liam Neeson in Men in Black and Yes! Oh, yeah! There he is! <laughs> <laughs> he had to make it on this list somehow. Yeah. I spoke it into existence. Exactly. And now, here we go. Number six. The only person on this list who's actually won the Oscar. Oh. She won it in 2004, but then she was nominated again in 2006. She stars as an accomplished politician running for president. Charlize Theron, The Long Shot. Exactly correct. Or it's just called Long Shot. It is, but I was going to give it to you anyway. But thank you for being so humble and pointing out your mistakes. The last time she was nominated for an Oscar was 2006. Mm -hmm. Snubbed for Mad Max Fury Road, and I still haven't forgotten. Well, Tyler, thank you for giving me strength through this game. I feel like I can carry on. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Now we need to do some more nominee time. What's our next category, Tyler? Ryan's gesturing for me to get the pen. I don't know where the pen is. It's under my leg. We found the pen. What's the next category, Tyler? Ryan, I think it's time for us to nominate the contenders for best actor. Oh. Lead actor in a motion picture. Yes. Exciting. This is an exciting category. It's full of competition. Lots of great entries. Let's put the 10 slips into the hat and see what the fuck comes out. Let's wish it around. Wish, 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 wish. Washing machine noises. Tyler gets the pen (coughs) this time. I'll try and read them a little slower because now that I've experienced writing them down, I know that it was hard for you. (laughs) It was really helpful when you wrote multiple ones because then I had time to catch up. Oh, okay. I'll try and do that again. (laughs) The first nominee, let me clear the old nominees also out of my way. 
Yes. We'll just be surrounded by paper by the end of the night. It's we okay. The first nominee at the 2019 previewees for Best Lead Actor is Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The second nominee for Lead Actor is Adam Driver in Marriage Story. The third nominee for Lead Actor, Taron Edgerton in Rocketman. Fourth nominee for Lead Actor, Kelvin Harrison Jr. in Loose. Wow. Underdog story right there. No one saw Loose. Just me. I was the only one in the world who saw Loose. And he got nominated. The fifth and final nominee for Best Lead Actor, Song Kang-ho, Parasite. Is he the son? He is the father of the lower income family. The driver? Yeah. Okay. I know who he is now. Wow. What a very eclectic list we have here. Yes, and missing, I think both of us nominated Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, an outstanding performance of the year, and totally snubbed, which, you know, might be similar to the Oscars next year. Actually, I think he will get the Oscar nom. He's not going to not get the nom at the Oscars, but he is not going to get the nom at the previewees. Move out of the way, Calvin Harrison Jr., uh, a younger actor. I didn't see Loose, but I saw him in Waves. He's great in that movie, so now i got to go see Loose before I vote on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Turner Edgerton has a great performance as Rocketman. He plays a young Elton John so well. Leonardo DiCaprio is a seasoned veteran in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and plays the same type of role. Yes. Um, a seasoned <laughs> veteran actor. I like how he breaks down and he's like, I'm not good enough. Oh, no. I'm not saying his role in that movie is, I don't think, similar to how Leonardo DiCaprio is in real life. Exactly. It's still a very transformative role. But it's just kind of interesting how he's playing, I think, you know... Actors playing actors are always kind of an interesting um, performance for me. Yeah, which... yeah. I get it. Yeah. Just like actors playing stuntmen. Very interesting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also haven't seen Marriage Story, as I mentioned earlier. How's Adam Driver's performance? He's in that really film? good. He's so good that Twitter made him a meme. I saw the clip on Twitter of him punching the drywall. It's a really good But I know scene. there's more to that performance than that. It's just following his story as... He's trying to go through this divorce amicably, but then it's turning sour, but then still wanting to have a good relationship with those people. It's a very nuanced performance, and I think that he does it very well. I nominated Song Kang-ho from Parasite, and without giving anything away, I think especially the last, like, maybe 20 minutes of the film, like, totally take his performance, and it's transformative. Like, it's so, so good, and... I don't know a lot of any of his other work because he's a Korean actor, but he absolutely delivers on this role. And if you haven't seen Parasite yet, go see it, and he is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Well, now it's time to put some more names in hats. But these names are lady names. Ooh, it's um, time. I had to empty out the old nominees that didn't get chosen for best actor imagine if joaquin got joaquin nominated for best, not actress. best actress not today but tyler is currently fishing out the last name and putting in oh another snub robert pattinson in the lighthouse oh that's true oh well Will- next willem's on there next we're going for lead actress and i'm making the swishy noises and mixing up the hat tyler has to turn the page because we ran out of room in this tiny notebook Alright, the nominees for Best Actress in a film that came out in 2019 are Florence Pugh, Midsummer, Ana de Armas, Knives Out, 
Taylor Russell, Waves. Sersha Ronan, Little Women, a future release. How'd that get in there? And Aquafina, The Farewell. Wow. Well, Tyler's obviously seen a advanced screening of Little Women, and that's how Sersha made it into this. It's great. I haven't seen it yet because it's not out yet. Sersha Ronan is stellar. Um, I believe some. I mean, four of these nominees are ones that I put in. Notable snub. Lupita Nyong'o and Us. I think we both probably put this one yes. in there. Another and her one... performance is transformative, but she got snubbed here like she'll get snubbed at the Oscars. That's true. Another snub that probably won't happen at the Oscars was Renee Zellweger for her performance in Judy. Of course. Um, but I think a couple of good... Anna de Armas was nominated for the Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great in Knives Out. Florence Pugh... She makes that movie. For Midsummer. Anna de Armas? No, Florence Pugh. Oh, Florence Pugh, Midsummer. Okay, low-key, Midsummer. I loved so much. Midsummer would not be a good movie without Florence Pugh's performance. It's true. It is the centerpiece. And I don't think she's nominated for the Golden Globes. No, because... I don't know if she'll get attention at the Oscars. Horror is a tricky genre. But Midsummer's so much more than horror. And it's so... It's such, really, a character drama horror. And that character is Florence Pugh. Well, I mean... Well, it's just going to show that if you want to get snubbed at the Oscars... Be a stunning female performer in an Ari Aster film. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Shout out Tony Collette. Or even horror this year. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o, I mean, granted, we just chose ours out of a hat. But I don't... I we think snubbed she will, her. I think she will get snubbed at the Oscars. And I think horror, especially, like, not this campy jump scare slasher horror, like but like... the nun. This, you know, next level, we're in kind of the renaissance of grittier drama horror coming out with movies like us and hereditary and midsummer and get out and you've named two directors i know because they're both amazing okay i'm just well even okay uh the you know the witch and ooh, and the lighthouse the lighthouse yeah that's another that's that's a third third director director. we did it but really they're making such quality films that have amazing performances like willem dafoe in the lighthouse who was nominated here in the previewees and did it. I'm really glad Florence Pugh's name came out mm-hmm. of that hat. Um, I think she had a fantastic performance, and she has to be so dynamic. True. Um, it's just the last five minutes alone displays such emotional mm-hmm. range. Um, I'm really excited that she's nominated. Another actress that was nominated was Taylor Russell in Waves, and I think she really makes this film her own. Like she only gets to become the lead actress about halfway through spoilers kind of for yeah, the movie. It's kind of an act one, act two situation mm-hmm. where the first act focuses on her brother and the second act focuses on her. But she definitely proves herself as a lead and takes like adapts that into her own skin and performance throughout the rest of the movie, showing multiple layers of this character and like where that character chooses to expose those layers and who they choose to expose that with and how they choose to expose those Absolutely. deep underbelly things. And because she's the second act, she closes the film. And so she's kind of in the backseat for this first half, but then she has to kind of bring all of the emotion and all of the themes full circle with her performance closing out the film mm-hmm. as she reconnects with the characters around her. Um, and she brings a lot to that performance. Finally, Aquafina and the, and the Farewell. I mean... Again, that movie doesn't exist without her. Like, I think she is the centerpiece. Yeah. It's an interesting role because it's hard because she's trying not to show emotion. But, like, when you're acting, like, you want to show emotion, but you can't show emotion. That's, like, a complicated, layered performance. And she does show a lot of emotion when she's not in front of the grandmother. Yes. 
when she is but even when she is doors, she's... like in that situation where she can't show it you can tell that she wants to show it. oh yeah 100 percent, and it's so dynamic and also another tricky layer is she's playing a character that's based on the director of the film herself that's true do you think the director was like mm, that's not how i would do it or she's like do it more like this and i'll help mm-hmm. you and you can be like me or she was like do whatever you want. You're the lead now. It, it's a very interesting dynamic between the two, even. Yeah. And I think Aquafina being, I mean, just also acting alone in Mandarin and in English in the same film is also an incredible talent, and she brings a lot of depth to that performance in that it's way true. as well. And the ways, I think, characterizes so well, like, a young woman who whose family is from China, but who lives in the U.S., and, like, the way that she approaches both Chinese and American culture from that background is so unique. Mm-hmm. I agree. Wow, so that that has definitely been one of the more surprising draws, and I dig it. I'm stoked on it. All right, Ryan. Before we continue on with more nominees, more names out of the hat, I think it's time that we take a break and play another game. What do you say? Oh, good. Let's I was get back to our real roots. tired of this hat bullshit. We need to play a game. That's where the real heart of this podcast is. All right, Ryan. This game is really simple. It's a year end culmination looking back oh youtube rewind that we've seen this year preview e rewind as we mentioned before in the podcast this trailer uh, this podcast kind of started because ryan and i got so fed up with seeing the same trailers we could like look at each other during the previews when we went to see a movie and like quote trailers word for word as they're coming on screen because we knew the trailers by heart because they play in front of every movie yeah we also go to a lot of movies so that might possibly be our fault too but you know what hollywood make more trailers well, I mean, they're also playing the same trailers in front of every movie. I'm like, that's not, true. Like, How come I never saw to a trailer? I only saw one trailer for Waves, and I've been to so many movies. But I've seen the Like a Boss trailer in front of everything. It's true. Anyways, Get better. This is just a way to kind of encapsulate all that. Ryan, I'm going to read you a quote that is said by a character in a trailer for a 2019 movie. All you got to do is tell me what movie trailer it's from. Ooh. What a These fun are classic game. quotes. Like I tried to choose like kind of centerpiece quotes that are like okay. a punchline of a joke or like a key piece that you know you'll be able to recognize. So like if as it was, for example, like wow, Spider Man, we really are far from home. I'd be able to say, well, that's Spider-Man obviously us. Home. And I would say you're wrong because oh. that they do not say that in the us trailer. You're right, no, they, they don't. don't. But if I said I got five on it, oh, that's five little soldier boys. Did that movie come out this year? Yes. I've never heard of it. Must be like an indie release. It was a Amazon Prime original. It's on there, I promise. <laughs> I don't know. It might not be. Okay, here we go. Ready? Yeah, I got it. The first movie trailer quote. She's not with us. Oh, I know this. Who's Molly? Because she's not with us. That's Good Boys. Yes, classic. I love Good Boys. Good so Boys funny. was so fun. All right, quote number two. Not in this country. Not in this country. Hmm. Seems like it could be some kind of film that is problematic and racist. Oh, no, it's not like that. Let's think. You can't do that in this country. Get out of here. Um, oh, it's The Sun is also a star. Oh. Because they have to evict her. That's part of that trailer. I never saw the movie, but that's my guess. The sun is also a star. That is incorrect. That line is from the Men in Black International trailer. What? Because, of course, they do the classic gag where she says, I'm driving. Oh, and she my gets gosh. in the car, 
But the steering wheel's on the other side. That should be over here. Not in this country. I remember Well, now. I'm making fun of it, but I actually really did enjoy that movie. And it should have done better than it did. Okay. Moving forward. Trailer quote number three. Maybe I should have tried to be more ordinary. Oh, last Christmas? No! It is set with a British accent, though, because this is in the trailer for Rocket Man. Oh, I feel like it's something that she says in Last Christmas, too. I don't know why I felt so confident No, about the that. problem with Last Christmas is that she's too ordinary. She's a plain Jane. Why would she try to be more ordinary? Well, no, she kind of lived life to the edge. Oh, I don't know. That was not conveyed in the trailer. I think you only know this because you've seen the movie. I did see the movie. It's a wild ride. But I really liked Rocket Man. Yeah, it's it's the scene. It in was the, the British where accent that got me. In, uh, It's the end. Yeah, in the therapy circle, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Maybe I should try to be more ordinary." And then it shows you were never ordinary. Exactly, Harry, you're a wizard. Elton, you're not ordinary. <laughs> okay, trailer quote number four. Is that your son? Your son. I'm also reading these in different ways than they're said in the trailer, so is, that it kind of throws them off a little son? bit. Is that your son? You can have one lifeline, and that is, I'll say it more like it's said in the trailer. Is that your son? Let me think. Oh, is that your son? Maybe, I don't, you, should, maybe I, you should use the lifeline. I don't know if I need the lifeline, because I don't know if I'll get it even with the lifeline. I feel like I'll waste the lifeline. How many more do I have left after this one? Two more after this one. Are they harder than this one? No. Okay, then I'll use the lifeline. Okay, here's how it's said in the trailer. Is that your son? That didn't help me at all. I'm so sorry. Um, is that your son? People that need sons... It's like as he's meeting somebody and he gestures to another person and says, Is that your son? Okay, so now I'm thinking it's like he's come to a party and he's meeting people and he doesn't want people to know that's his son and he's embarrassed. By oh, his son. another lifeline is... I'll sing the music that plays behind the line Ooh, in the trailer. That's fun. I want that one. Okay, it goes like this. I feel like that's in every trailer. <laughs> that seems so generic trailer. Music. Seems this world has got you down. Oh, I know this. Oh, this. oh, okay. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes, it's when he meets Leonardo DiCaprio meets Al Pacino in the bar. Yes, and he gestures to Cliff Booth, Brad Pitt's character, and says, "Is that your son?" Wow, I did and that. He goes, no, that's my stunt double. <laughs> Cliff, you got it because you listened to the soundtrack with me. Good job. Well, I feel like I know that song more because of the trailer, honestly. All right. Trailer quote number five. How old is this thing? How old is this thing? Um, something where they're finding, like, an old piece of technology, but it's not that old. But the joke is that, like... The lifeline for this one is that I'll tell you the line that immediately precedes it. Okay, what is it? Are you fucking kidding me? Okay. How old is this How thing? Old is, this? is that Uncut Gems? No. What is it? Ready or not, it's when the guy gets hit with the crossbow. Oh, okay. My other guess was going to be Jumanji, so I wasn't going to get it either way. <laughs> well, I don't think they dropped an F-bomb in Jumanji. I know, that's why I moved to Uncut yeah, Gems. Yeah, that was a good guess. <laughs> I guess, well, do people want to buy old jewels? I guess they do. Well, I feel like they just said the F-word a lot in Uncut Gems trailer, so I was like, they it's did. that one. <laughs> um, of course, it's the Red Band trailer for Ready or Not, obviously. Oh, obviously. All right, and the final... Iconic trailer quote from 2019. These are dark times. Oh, last Christmas. Yes, we there about it, it is. It's iconic. 
that movie. You spoke it into existence. You it, guessed last Christmas earlier, and you were wrong, but it ended up being a right answer later. Uh, just like you and Liam just like, I did early. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Wow. That's beautiful, Tyler. And you know what? I think this much beauty deserves the best nominees for best screenplay for the previewees. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I agree. Let's move on and nominate the nominees for best screenplay. I have the pen and paper. I have the the slips in the hat. Tyler's wishy-washing them around. Clink, clink. Sometimes I get caught under the brim of the hat and I have to make sure that I'm giving every slip a fair chance. You know what I mean? That just was going to be bad noise. Look at the freaking sound. (laughs) I'm trying to add production quality here, Ty. Alright, the first nominee for Best Screenplay. The Lighthouse, written by Robert Eggers and Max Eggers. Second nominee for Best Screenplay. Their Farewell, written by Lulu Wang. The third nominee for Best Screenplay, Knives Out, written by Ryan Johnson. The fourth nominee for Best Screenplay, Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. A Twice. duplicate! Wow! We're redrawing. The fourth nominee, the real fourth nominee for Best Screenplay, Us, written by Jordan Peele. Ooh. No Lupita, but the screenplay gets in. I mean, the screenplay's strong. It is. It is. But Lupita's better. I just sadly snubbed Lupita. And the fifth and final nominee for Best Screenplay, Jojo Rabbit, written by Taika Waititi. This is a really good list. This is a great list. I feel like this might be one of the toughest categories we have, Tyler. This is one of the toughest categories we had. This was one of the toughest ones I had. Some of the categories I had a hard time getting to five. This one, it was so hard to narrow down to five. Exactly. So many great screenplays and well-written movies came out this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah i these put five in, movies are great i nominated the lighthouse there for a well knives out and us so the only one i didn't put in was jojo rabbit i nominated all of these movies that's fantastic this is i think that's the first time you've had all five wow this is this is why it's the toughest category for me tyler because they're all mine <laughs> i can't just go sarah ronan nah because i nominated all of these ones they're my babies um, the Lighthouse is great. I think this definitely deserves a nomination because so much of this is based on the screenplay because it's pretty much only the two characters and their dialogue together. That's a, a huge majority of the film. Oh, wait, I was wrong. I didn't nominate us, but I really like the screenplay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, you nominated Marriage Story. Yeah, it was a good screenplay too, but I'm okay that us is there instead. Yeah, the, another nominee that I did not get drawn was Midsummer, which I'm okay with. Nice. But yeah, these five nominees are really good. Knives Out, twists and turns all around. It subverts your expectations in the best way. Yeah, not only is the whole story so well written in Knives Out, but each individual character is written so well. Like, they each kind of have their own quirks in their own way that they say things. Daniel Craig's donut hole monologue is incredible. Like So good. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch Knives Out. Yeah. And if you don't know about the sea shanty cursing scene, (laughs) go watch The Lighthouse. And if you don't know about anything said in Jojo Rabbit, go watch Jojo Rabbit because that film is hilarious but also devastating at the same time. Yeah, and Us is so good because it has, it leverages kind of the lighthearted comedy that Jordan Peele can write as well as like, there's some really intense like monologues and um, more dramatic dialogue that takes place in that film. It's so good. 
I really am happy with these five. Oh, and also the farewell. Yeah, it's great. Great, great screenplay. Written in two different languages. All the characters are are written really well. Mm -hmm. All right, next category. We're moving on. We're churning these out just like butter. And in go the slips. The nominees for best director. They're being swished in the hat as we speak. We're looking for the pin again. It has been found. All right. The first nominee for best director is Robert Eggers, The Lighthouse. The second nominee is Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. The third nominee is Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Nominee number four, Taika Waititi, Jojo Rabbit. And the fifth and final nominee is Alma Haral, Honey Boy. Wow, I'm so glad. We almost had a Golden Globe situation there. I know. And didn't nominate any women. Almost saved us at the last minute. I put in two women. And I put in one. And And they were all different (laughs) women, so they didn't cancel each other out. Had somehow only one got chosen. So the Golden Globes can just name the way that they pull things out of the hat. Yeah, they don't have to wait (laughs) for the suspense. (laughs) Um, This is a great list. Um... I think I had nominated Bong Joon-ho, Ryan Johnson, and Alma Harrell. I also nominated Bong Joon-ho, and that, I nominated that, the other two. Yeah. He was Parasite, their only movie of those. Parasite is directed so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an incredible film. Robert Eggers for The Lighthouse. I think the cinematography and the performances are all amazing. And he also wrote the movie. So <laughs> just everything seems so deliberate. Every shot, every way. like Because it's shot in black and white, the way shadows deal with a lot of things play so much into the movie and, and the aspect ratio exactly so he made a lot of directorial choices that really affected the movie and made it what it was um alma harrell directing for honey boy i thought that film was directed beautifully because of the way that it kind of like there is a beautiful shot of a marijuana leaf growing out of the ground in like um sped up motion mm-hmm. and it's one of the most beautiful shots i've seen all year and it seems so silly but it's like so significant to the plot and the themes of the film um, I love it so much. And the way it kind of, it will cut back and forth between like a very devastating dramatic scene with like Shia LaBeouf's character and then like Noah Jupe's character like playing around as a kid and dancing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the dichotomies that she creates with the shots and the performances that she brings out of Noah Jupe and Shia LaBeouf are fantastic. Yeah. Um, what else do we have here? We have Taika Waititi for Honey, or for Jojo Rabbit. Um, the way he gets these beautiful like comedic performances out of child actors is something that's very commendable. Like, and dramatic performances, too. Exactly. Know. Like, working with children is hard. I know because I work with children. <laughs> but then getting them to do what you want and perform and, like, do these things that you don't even, like, I couldn't even do. But you're asking a 10-year-old to do. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it much better than many other actors in their field could do. That is just a credit to how great Taika is as a director and working with these young people. And then getting these comedic punches out of, like, Holocaust jokes. And, like, it's not being offensive. It's being, like, satirical and still poignant. Yeah, absolutely. And Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. I think uh, everything about the way that this film is shot is so great. And I saw an especially amazing thing I saw on Twitter where they had to create, like, um, forced perspective backgrounds that sat behind the cameras so that characters in the film that wore glasses 
would properly have the windows reflected in their glasses and not the camera equipment. And as soon as I saw that, I said, Ryan Johnson deserves a nominee for Best Director because that's wow. amazing. Every other director out there, you need to be more active on social media and then maybe we'll Well, nominate. he didn't post it. It was like <laughs> another camera person or wow. somebody that shared it and he was like, But no, yeah, that is incredible. Great. Yeah. And the way he works with the giant ensemble cast and like oh, playing and to each other's strengths. balances them all out. Yeah, it's so well done. And um, even the... Uh, hmm, I don't want to say this without spoiling the movie. Okay, then don't. We're moving off. There are some dynamic ways that characters have to shift the way that they're portrayed suddenly based uh, on the events of the twists. film. And those are executed very well. Yes. Okay. Well... Congratulations to all the nominees. We're about to move forward into some of the biggest awards of the night. Best Picture and Best Trailer. Yes, and one is much better than the other one. It's Best Trailer. Exactly. But, of course, we have to kind of wind down on a somber note. And oh, that yes. is our In Memoriam. No award show is complete without it. And the In Memoriam for the previewees is, of course, discussing trailers that came out this year that we did not have the chance to talk about on our podcast. Either because we didn't have a podcast when the trailer came out, or because we just didn't have time, because we only do four trailers an episode. Yeah, sometimes things just slip through the cracks, we don't get to talk about them, but there are some great trailers that came out this year that just, <laughs> just didn't make the cut, and I, I miss them so much. Well, Tyler, they're still with us. They're still with us. We can honor them in their memory. You can still watch them on YouTube. Oh, okay. You're not going to be able to watch them in the theaters anymore, though. And that's the true tragedy. Yeah, that's true. It so the first tragedy. trailer I would like to memorialize is the trailer for Richard Jewell. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a bomb, a bomb in Central Park. Park. You have, you have 30, 30 minutes. minutes. I'm glad we're getting to say something about it now, because if we didn't, I don't know what I was going to do, Tyler. The way he says it like three times in the trailer just makes me want to know, did he do it? Mm. Did he put the bomb in Centennial Park? Yeah. Did they have 30 minutes? The trailer does do a great job of creating that like, is he or isn't he guilty? Is he a hero? And then the Clint Eastwood promo that got plastered all over Facebook ruined it because Clint Eastwood looks you in the face and says, Richard Jewell was a hero. And I say, okay, I don't have to see the movie anymore because I know that he is innocent. But then my mom had an interesting take on this, on that Facebook promo. Have I told you this, Tyler? Yes. Okay, well, pretend like I'm telling you for the first time because well, the audience, the audience is hearing for the first time, too. So what if the Facebook promo was actually part of the movie and Clint Eastwood saw this story and said, Richard Jewell's a hero. And that's part of the movie. And part of the movie is the meta commentary of Clint Eastwood making the movie Richard Jewell. And, and now finding Clint Eastwood out is apologizing for his mistakes for endorsing him as a hero when he actually turned out to be the villain. Yes, exactly. Wow. What a twist. So And also too convoluted for Clint Eastwood's old brain to understand. Well, it's kind of incredible that Clint Eastwood was able to turn out three movies in the last two years. Yeah. He's like true. almost ninety. But the movie did turn out to be really great and the trailer is was very intense and pulled you in and made you want to see the movie. Yes. The first trailer I would like to memorialize is the IMAX promo of Godzilla King of the Monsters. Oh, this is one of those ones that got me into trailers, Tyler. We talked a little bit about this on our very first podcast. All the way back. Specifically, the IMAX promo, the way that it 
King Ghidorah shows out just like it plays out one scene from the film out of context. It doesn't cut together and give you like here's the plot. It just says here's what's really cool about this movie. You want to see a giant monster battle in Antarctica? Here you go. And it's shot beautifully and the special effects are amazing. And you say the plot's not going to be good, but I'm in because this looks crazy. And honestly, I saw the movie and the plot wasn't that great, but the film did look crazy and I liked the monster scenes. It and sells still, exactly what it's selling I still want to go see the next one. Yeah. Kong versus Godzilla. Oh yeah. What the, I can't wait for the trailer for that one. The next film I would like to memorialize, oh the trailer, is the trailer for Booksmart. These two young women dancing to the mm, song. The Lizzo song. It's, they're outside They're outside in the street in their car and they're dancing. I was so upset when I saw the movie and the song's not there. They're dancing to nothing. The trailer promised me one thing. The film gave me another. Well, the movie's still really good, but the, the trailer's movie's still great. really good, though. I like that the trailer also opens with the way the movie opens with the self-help tape going, fuck them right in their stupid fucking faces. Yes. And Beanie Feldstein taking her retainer out. It's great. It's a good one. The next trailer I would like to memorialize is the trailer for Uncut Gems. This oh. movie hasn't come out yet, but it comes out soon, and we won't do an episode in time to include it. So I'll just say this movie looks great. Adam Sandler's performance looks awesome. It gives the perfect, like, chaotic sense that I think is going to run through the entire film. And my favorite moment is that Adam Sandler gets punched in the face, and the sound cuts out of the trailer for, like, two or three seconds. But what about really the cool golden effect. Furby together? Oh, yeah, the Furby and the eyes click side to side. It's so fun. And what about the Idina Menzel of it all? Oh, yeah, Idina Menzel's in there. And also The Weeknd sings directly and makes eye contact with your soul. I'm so sad we won't get to preview review it. But I'm excited to see the movie, and I will go see it. If it comes to a theater near you. It's in L.A. and New York right now. We can drive up and go see it. To New York? No, to L.A. Oh, that makes way more sense. It's a lot closer. Yes. Let's go right after this. Well, are there any showings this late? Probably not. Okay, we'll go tomorrow. Okay. Okay. And one more trailer before we go. I want to memorialize. And you have one more, right, too? Yes. So the, the penultimate trailer. Avengers Endgame. Hmm. And then it said tickets on sale now, and I was like, what? I had to go buy tickets. Yeah, it was great. Need I say more? We didn't have a podcast then, but we do now. And finally, a trailer to memorialize. A trailer for the ages. The trailer for us. Of course, this trailer came out last year, but the movie came out this year, and so we're counting it. It's great. It was so good that they had to include the, the song in the trailer in the movie because people loved it so much and they were going to do it originally. It's so good. And it, it just starts to show how awesome Lupita's performance is going to be when she does a little finger clicky thing on her face. But, I mean, I, she gives way more in the actual movie. But Yeah, she does like I, I twice as many us finger just like The Us trailer just starts to sell like the little bits that will get you in the theater and then the movie just blows you away. The Us trailer is so cool. Well, one moment of silence for our fallen trailers. Thank you. Now, Tyler, it's that Let's time wrap this bitch up. We have to do the final two awards. Tyler's now scooping in the nominees for Best Picture. And I'm reaching across 
to grab the pin because we still haven't figured out how to transfer this pin well. It's all boiled down to this. The second to last category. Bunch. And the first nominee for Best Picture at the 2019 previewees is Toy Story 4. Yeah, baby. I wonder who nominated that one. Was it you? Nope. The second nominee (laughs) for Best Picture at the 2019 previewees, Parasite. The third nominee for Best Picture, Honey Boy. The fourth nominee for Best Picture, Their Farewell. And the fifth and final nominee for Best Picture, Jojo Rabbit. Wow. What a great list. There were some big snubs, but there were also some big surprises. I'm happy with our lists. I mean, most of yours got chosen, Mary. As I can see, the only one of yours that did not get chosen was Avengers Endgame. What a big snub. Yes. I did nominate Midsummer and Knives Out, which I would have loved to see. But I'm really happy. I didn't actually have um, the fifth slot or another slot to go to Jojo Rabbit. I would like to include it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't end up doing it. And I'm glad that it made it on here. I'm glad we're representing animation in this category with Toy Story 4. Watch that movie. It the cat is real, Tyler. It's it's a really good movie. It's a really good fourth installment of a beloved franchise. Exactly. Like it does so much well to kind of continue on the story very well. Mhm. Honey Boy I think is one of the best movies of the year. I nominated well, they're this all one. They're all best movies of the year, Tyler. They're the top 5 of okay. all time. That's 2019. True. But uh, the performances and the cinematography and the screenplay are all so well done. Um, I'm really excited to see that one considered. Their Farewell has come up multiple times tonight, how incredible that movie is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Lots of emotional depth to it. And finally, Parasite, some um, recognition for a foreign language film. Yes. Which has, again, come up multiple times tonight and is just so well performed and a crazy story it's so good i literally just watched this movie today before we recorded this podcast and i texted ryan right after i was like my jaw was wide open during the third act of this film it's insane but don't Um, worry he didn't text me during the third act he texted me after yeah because i'm not a monster that uses my phone during a movie he's a polite film goer um this is a great list i can't wait uh to consider these all for best picture all right well it's that time of the night it's time for the pièce de résistance, the best the creme de la creme that we have here, the best trailer award. I'm mixing the trailers all in this hat, and Ryan, please read us the nominees for best trailer. All right, the first nominee is Avengers Endgame. The second nominee is Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, or is it Rise of the Skywalker? I still don't know. The Rise of Skywalker. This paper just says Rise of Skywalker. The third nominee is Honey Boy. Ooh, interesting choice. I didn't think of that, but it's a good trailer. I nominated this one because I really like how they use the song I Wish in the trailer. Oh, nice. It's used the same way in the movie. Yes, but I like it more in the trailer. I do too. All right. The fourth nominee is Us. Yeah! Oh, the fifth nominee is not Star Wars again. Sorry. Oh, redraw. Redraw time. This is my first redraw. I'm so excited. I got to do one before it all ended. I think we nominated a lot of the same movies, so this might get another redraw. No, this is the last one for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hmm. Wow, is that your son? 
Um, the m- music is so fun in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's trailer. I love that so much. It is. Um, goes from that bong, 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 and then it closes with that uh, Neil Diamond song. Love's a brother, love's travel, the salvation show. Holly, holly. It's so good. Ugh. It's amazing. And it just showcases all the best parts of the movie. Like some of the great shots that Quentin Tarantino includes of old Hollywood landmarks. Mm-hmm. And also Brad, uh, not Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio doing that fun little heel twist dance. Oh, instant gif. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm doing the dance. But yeah, these are all great trailers. As we mentioned earlier, the Us trailer is fantastic. Yes. They got five on it. Rise of Skywalker and Endgame is just like... We did a whole episode for Rise of Skywalker, so you know how we feel about that. Culminating large franchises and cinematic history. It's beautiful. All these trailers do their job magnificently, and it'll be really interesting to see who gets the award, because I don't know. I'm looking at this list, and usually I'm thinking, oh, I know that one's going to be ranked low, or that one's going to be ranked high. And this one, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. But, as we said, these are only the nominees. Ryan and I are going to spend the next couple of weeks not only celebrating the holiday and the new year, but also figuring out how the fuck we're going to vote for the winners. And we'll come back with a new episode in the beginning of January, or more towards the end of January, where we will announce the actual winners of each of these categories. It's going to be a great... This will be Hollywood's biggest night. Yes, of this, 2020. Yes, this was. We're just going to start it off. Biggest night. January 2020. It's already going to be the biggest night of the year, and they the rest of the it. year just won't matter at all. Exactly. There's, an, like, there's an election that year, but who the fuck cares, right? <laughs> this is the most important night. I mean, hopefully a lot of people care, but that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, thanks for listening to this long, different episode of Preview Review. We hope you enjoyed it. This has been great. Um, I hope that this has been able to help you see how much amazing film has come out this year. And like get you excited for Oscar season. Some of the best pieces um, of these films that have come out. But also, based on our wacky formula to decide these nominees, tells you that All awards award season shows are is bullshit. bullshit. But if you really want to know... When this episode comes out, we'll go ahead and tweet out our official nominee list so you can follow along at home. Oh, yeah. And maybe you guys can, like, get together and do little ballots and things and you guys can vote for who you think. Whoever gets closest wins. And also, this will have, like, no, like, valid data because the people voting on it will literally just be writing me a sample size of two. Well... (laughs) If you can figure out how Tyler and I will vote, you will win. We're also the only two that not like vote the nominees. We're the only two that saw any of these movies, too, Tyler. Yeah, I know. They all did terribly at the box office. And we're the only two that saw any of these trailers. And we're the only two that have a trailer podcast. We're the only two that have a podcast. (gasps) This is a new medium, Tyler. Wow. What's a podcast? It's what we're doing right now. Anyway, this has been Preview Review. Thank you so much for tuning in. Dropping in, listening, whatever you want to call it. Um, any final thoughts before we have to say bye, Tyler? My final thought is that our listeners can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Preview Review, and they should also go ahead and end the year by giving us a sweet gift of Sharing? rating us or subscribing oh, to us. Oh, we haven't asked that in a while. 
wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also share us with a friend, maybe. They can, you know, over the holiday, they can listen, they can catch up to yeah. all the episodes. If you're traveling for the holidays, like, tell the people where you're traveling to to listen to this awesome podcast. Like, if you're going to Michigan, I don't think we have any listeners in Michigan. No, we'd love to get some listeners in Michigan. You know, if in case you're traveling to Michigan. Whoever is, that's listening to this. Okay, well, that's been our previewees nomination episode. And we'll see you in the new year. For all acquaintance be forgotten. This has been a very musical episode. I can't take that high. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. (laughs)